from Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that same time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw the star as it rose and we have come to worship him. King Herod, notice this, was deeply disturbed because there's now two kingdoms. When he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem, he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said. But this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. He learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And when he told, when they told him, go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go worship him too. But he didn't, he didn't want to worship Jesus. He wanted to kill Jesus. And so not everybody who says they're with you are with you. <laughs> so just, you know, listen to their words, but then listen to the Holy Spirit too. After this interview, and, and they were wise men because they knew it. They knew something was up. Uh, after this interview, they went their way. Notice that they went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem, and it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy, and they entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gold, frankincense, myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their country by another way. They went their way, but now they're going another way. And I want to preach just from that subject for one moment. Another way. Another way. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray you'd speak now clearly and um, powerfully to us. I thank you for this season, for everything it represents. And I pray that today's word would give hope, courage, and strength to your people. And Lord, we just are so grateful for all you've done. And we are so expectant uh, for what is to come. We truly do believe that the best is yet to come. That is our confession. We thank you that the path of the righteous, it's getting brighter and brighter. And I thank you that you have something amazing for every one of us in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen and amen. Thank you. Let me just give you three points uh, quickly today from the text. And here's point number one. If Jesus is king, I am not. <laughs> oh boy. I don't know if you've learned this yet, but it's true. If Jesus is king, I am not. I, I want you to notice that the wise men said, we've come to worship the king. And King Herod was deeply disturbed. Uh, because Herod knew that there was a war that was ensuing between two kingdoms. If Jesus is king, Herod is not. If Jesus is king, I am am not. If, if Jesus is king, that means that there is about to be a shift in authority. And listen, I want you to know today that you don't have to be deeply disturbed by the kingdom of King Jesus. Don't be troubled by the lordship of Jesus. Don't be disturbed that Jesus is king. Don't be nervous that you're not king. This is actually an incredible relief. 
The weight of the world is not on my shoulders. I don't have to be in charge. I don't have to feel the pressure of every single thing that's going on in my life. I don't have to live with worry, anxiety, or fear because I'm not king. I have a king and his name is Jesus. And if Jesus is king, Herod is not. And if Jesus is king, I am not. This is good news, not bad news. This is a relief. This should not cause you to be disturbed. This should not cause you to fear. This should not cause you to worry, but rather this should cause you to sleep really, really good tonight, knowing that there is a good king that you have, and his name is Jesus. Can you say amen, everybody? Come on, can you say amen? He's king. And we don't really understand king. We don't really understand kingdom in America because we have presidents, and we vote them in, and we vote them out. We have senators, we vote them in and vote them out in Congress, vote them in, vote them out, and judges. And, and so it's, it's, it's different here. But I just want you to know that when we were just singing, Oh, come let us adore him, we were not singing to President Jesus. We cannot vote him in and we cannot vote him out. I thank God that no matter what happens in our society, whether there is prayer in schools or not, he is still king. Whether as a nation we reject him or not, he is still king. No matter what laws come and no matter what laws go, he is still king. No matter who is in the White House, I thank God that I know who's on the throne. That no matter, no matter who is going to be the Supreme Court Justice, I, I thank God. I thank God. I thank God that, yes, I am a proud American citizen and I love my nation, but I also thank God that I am part of an unshakable kingdom called the kingdom of God. And no matter who is president, no matter if it's the Democrat you like or the Republican you like, or no matter what's going on in the world, we have a king and his name is Jesus. And I, I don't know if you know this, but the day you got saved, you actually received Jesus as Lord. <laughs> Maybe you didn't know that. Maybe you received him as savior and you need a savior, but you also need a Lord. Um, and that's hard to hear as an adult. Like Goldie is too. She needs a parent. But so do you. 40-year-old. 20-year-old. 80-year-old. You need a father too. You need a Lord too. And I know that's hard to hear because you're self-made and, 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 and because you're a hard worker and because you have hustle. And I, and I thank God for it. And, and I thank God for your work ethic. But, but we all need somebody and when you receive Jesus, you did not just receive Savior, you received Lord. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you will declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. By the way, this was, this was a massive statement 2,000 years ago. Because what they were saying is, Jesus is Lord. Herod is not. Jesus is Lord. Rome is not. They, they were saying, we, we, are, we are not pledging our allegiance to a world system, but to a kingdom system. And this meant persecution. This meant death. This meant you might get fed to the lions. This meant in 70 AD under an evil a ruler named Nero, that he would actually tar Christians and light them on fire to light his gardens. When they said Jesus is Lord, they were saying Nero is not. And friend, when you said Jesus is Lord, you were saying I am not. 
It's a big deal, friend. And maybe you've never had the Lordship talk. We all got to have this talk. We all, we all have to learn that it's better when he's in charge. I, I refuse to live my Christian life uh, like, like my dog used to live his life. We have a little dog named Bentley. And he, when we had to teach him how to, how to live on a, uh, how to walk on a, on a leash. Have you, ever, have you ever had to train a dog to walk on a leash? And the first few weeks, it's just... <laughs> And then that dog begins to learn, the closer they get to the master, the easier the walk becomes. And now you can live your life and go to heaven at the edge of the leash. <laughs> and Jesus ain't going to let you go. So thank God for grace. You know, the apostle Paul actually says, there are going to be people in heaven that are going to smell like the flames of hell. Do you know that's in your Bible? Second Corinthians, or First Corinthians chapter 3. Like they're going to get in, but they're going to smell like smoke, he said, at the edge of their leash. <laughs> but eventually my little buddy learned, this is much more enjoyable close to the master. Oh, friend, when you get close to him, this isn't about him being a control freak. This is about him knowing that the safest place you could ever be is right by his side. Oh, lordship is not control. Lordship is protection. All the fathers in the, in the house today, you, lock, you make sure that your house is locked down before you go to bed. You're not controlling your kids. You're protecting your kids. And what God does in our life is not to control us or to keep us in as much as it is to keep the enemy out. It's lordship. It's lordship. Don't, don't be disturbed by lordship. Now, here's what the word lord means, though, and this is where it gets disturbing. Lord means this, the one who has the power to decide. <laughs> so if Jesus is king, if Jesus is lord and I am not, that means I've decided to let him decide. Yeah. So he gave me a free will, and he gave me the will to choose. And he said it like this in the Old Testament, I've put before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Little hint, choose life. <laughs> it's going to go well for you and your family. It's going to go well for you and your children if you'll choose life. So God gave me the power to choose, only to choose to let him choose. Jesus is Lord, I am not. And I gave Jesus lordship. To have the power of decision in my life. Who is deciding your life right now? Because whoever is deciding is Lord. Now friend, because y'all are looking deeply disturbed. This is not, this is not control. Look, this is fun. It's an adventure. It's like. It's like, Lord, what are you going to do today? Lord, what are you going to tell me to do today? Lord, how are we going to... You know, one, one uh, couple in our church gave real generously towards this building when we moved in, and I, I called to thank them, and they said, well, we just did what the Lord told us to do. Adventure. Fun. Exciting. 
I love living that way. I love, I love that I know that I'm not doing this because I was bored and I thought, I guess I should plant a church. I love knowing that Jesus is Lord and he told me to do it. And so I live in the freedom that this isn't my church. It's his because it was his idea, not mine. I loved my walks on the beach in Newport. Now, I'm grateful that we have an earth cafe at the wind, but I really loved the one in Beverly Hills. Come on, somebody. Life was okay, but then I joined the adventure. I, I love the adventure. Oh, give me, give me Jesus and give me his lordship over a matcha green latte in Beverly Hills. Because that gets boring after a while. Oh, but there is an adventure with Jesus when he tells you, go talk to that person, go pray for that person, go encourage that person. Give to that thing. Help with that thing. Serve in that thing. Oh, it's not, my life is no longer my own. That's what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2.20. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer, no longer I who live, but Christ lives within me. It's the adventure of walking with King Jesus. It's not control. It's fun. It's not control. It's true life. The Bible said in 1 Samuel chapter 8 that the people of Israel go to Samuel. And they said, uh, hey, hey, uh, priest Samuel, uh, we would like a king like the other nations. And Samuel said, you don't want a king. Kings will abuse you. Kings will use you. Kings will send you to wars. Kings will... Kings will take all of your girls and make them servants. Kings will take all of your men and, and make them soldiers. And you'll, you'll, you'll get into things that you're never supposed to get in. Samuel said, you don't, you don't want king. We, we got God. God is our king. This is awesome. This is like an incredible setup. We're, we're not like the other nations. And they go, no, no, we want to be like the other nations. So he went to God. He said, God, what, what, do, you, what, 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 what do I do? And God said, Samuel, first of all, don't take it personally. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. And secondly, give them what they want. Because you know, God will actually give you what you want. Yeah. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> like, cool, man. Like, if that's what you, okay, whatever. And they got their king, Saul. And they had some good kings. They had David. They had Solomon. They had some golden years. But overall, they... They went from evil king to evil king to evil king to evil king because, because they didn't trust Jesus to be their king. Oh, friend, I don't trust myself to be king of my own life, of my own family, of my own, of this. I'm not the king of this church. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful this thing is now bigger than me. And this thing is going to keep going with or without me because he's king. I'm not. Oh, this is good news. It's actually a relief. You know, I wake up every Sunday morning at 5 a.m. and I begin to pray for church. <clears throat> and, uh, but not this morning because I was tired from Friday and Saturday. I was exhausted. <clears throat> and you know what? I slept in, slept till 7. Walked in here about 9, 10 just in time to walk on stage and preach. I, I know that's offending some religious people. And I was just so relieved that I'm not king. And that, and that though I was a little tired this morning and need a couple more hours of sleep, 
We have a king who never sleeps nor slumbers. Oh, anybody grateful? Anybody grateful that in your mistake, you got a king? And now I feel good because I got my sleep and my coffee. Praise the Lord. And we have an incredible team that took, I text Jay this morning as, you know, my snooze is going off and I decided I needed to sleep and slumber. And I text Jay, I said, Jay, you got team huddle this morning. The hand of God is upon you. As I fell back asleep. I feel a prophetic spirit on you this morning. The Lord, the, you know, the, the joke with my pastor Jensen Franklin was always, if he ever got up during a service and said, we're going to have a Holy Ghost tonight, the whole family would laugh on the front and they'd go, dad didn't prepare a sermon. <laughs> we're just going to be led by the spirit. Yeah, you didn't study this week. Okay, but that's kind of how I felt. You know, Jay, the, the Lord's with you, brother. You got this. Okay. <laughs> They, they, they wanted a king. They didn't want God. But friend, let me remind you, there is no kinder king than Jesus. No greater king than Jesus. No more loving Lord than Jesus. No wiser leader than Jesus. If Jesus is Lord, if Jesus is king, I am not. And that's really good news. Number two, worship is my response. The Bible says that when they saw him, they bowed down and they worshiped him. Our worship is not simply something we do for 15 minutes to warm up the crowd before the preacher gets up. Worship is not Christian karaoke. Worship is not listening to the Christian radio station that you got in your car. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is a bowing down. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not talking about just physically bowing down, though I think sometimes that's even powerful to do in your own, in your own room or in your office or, or wherever you are. I think, there, I think there is something powerful sometimes about just kneeling before the Lord and reminding yourself of, of who the boss is. But, but, but even more than that, there is something powerful about living a life where you're bowed down. Because the, the world's culture of success is step on anybody I got to step on to get ahead and do whatever I got to do to get ahead. And, and there is just something powerful about while everyone else is climbing, you're bowing. While everyone else is pushing to get ahead, you're bowing. While everyone else is trying to do this on your own, you bow before the Lord. And the Bible says that if you would humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, now under at first, if you'll humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will lift you up. Because if you'll be humble enough to go under him, he will then be gracious enough to pick you up and lift you up. And while everyone else is trying to do this in their own strength and trying to run their business in their own strength and trying to lead their family in their own strength and trying to get their hustle in their own strength, you're just, you're living on your knees before a holy God. Does that mean you don't have work ethic? Of course not. Does that mean that you're lazy? Of course not. But it does, it does mean that you know where your strength starts. And you know that promotion does not come from the east or the west, but promotion comes from the Lord. So you stay on your knees before God. They bowed down and they worshiped him. Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, you, you cannot do the next part unless you get the first part. In view of God's mercy, Romans 12, 1, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Many of you are trying to offer God something, but you don't even know how good he is. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I, I look to the mercy of God. 
I look to the grace of God. I look to the kindness of God. I look to what God has already done for me. And now my response to everything he has done, I do. I now offer not to pay him back, but to honor him. Not, not, to, not, to, not to try to pay him back for all the good things he's done. He, he paid a debt we could not pay, but to simply honor him. And in view of God's mercy, I now worship. And it's not simply a song I sing, but it's a life I live. Job chapter 11, verse 13 says, surrender your heart to God. Oh, there is power in surrender. I know surrender is a bad word in kind of today's culture. It kind of means you're, you're defeated. It means you've given up. Oh, but I, I have given up. <laughs> I've given up my life and I've given up my heart and I've surrendered my heart to God. And, and now it's not just me anymore, but it's me and God. There has been a surrender that has happened. It is no longer I, but it is Christ. I've surrendered. And this, this is not a call from God to worship him because he's insecure. We're, we're not up here going, you know, we give you all the glory. And he's going, are you like, really? Oh, thank Oh, wow. Do you really think that about me? Wow. He's not insecure. He's not weak. But we worship him because we recognize how good he's been. And we worship him because it's actually the life of worship that we actually find life. And it's in the life of worship that we have true intimacy with God. It's not just something we do on a Sunday, but it's a life we live. And it's actually the life we live that honors God. There's a story of a missionary that went to a remote island nation and he ended up leading a whole village to the Lord. A whole village gave their life to Christ. We come up, Jorge. And um, after a few months of being there and really just seeing a revival, uh, a man walked up to him with a, a seashell and um, handed it to him. And he, oh, thanks, you know, appreciate it kind of deal. Didn't really think anything of it. And the man left and then the villagers begin to tell him, uh, Pastor, this is actually a really big deal. The only way to get this seashell is on a seven-day journey. You cannot get there by vehicle. You cannot get there by boat. You, 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 the only way to get to this remote part of the island is you have to walk. And it's a seven-day journey over lava rocks and over, you know, through rivers and through forests and very dangerous and it's very remote and it's a seven day journey there <coughs> and then if you're lucky enough to find one of these seashells it's a seven day journey back and they said this is huge this is, the, this is the most valuable thing this man could give you and so the next day the pastor finds him he says, he says thank you so much I had no idea and the man said oh pastor the journey is actually the gift. The long walk is actually the gift. It's not really the seashell. It's the long walk. Oh, friend, it's the long walk with God that honors God. Woo. It's walking with God through hell that honors God. It's being faithful in the valley 
that honors God. It's, it's walking him through unsure, dark seasons that honor God. It's through the good times and through the bad times. It's when you can stay faith-filled in the valley and you can stay humble on the mountain. That's what honors God. It's the long walk. And by the way, it's the long walk where he walked with you through your sin and through your rebellion and through your attitudes and through your mistakes and through your secrets and through your strongholds and through your struggles. It was the long walk where he walked with you through the valley of the shadow of death and he shows you his faithfulness. It's that long walk that shows us just how good he is. So it's actually a two-way gift. I honor God by my journey, but God shows me his grace through the journey. I'm so grateful that our God is not just a God of good moments. He's not just the God of great miracles. I'm so grateful that he's the God of the journey. He's the God of the long walk. So when you tithe, it's not just the money. It wasn't just the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It was the walk that accompanied it. Because see, did you notice they walked into a house? Did you notice that? They they did not walk into a barn. Jesus was already older. He would have been a toddler by this time. Theologians tell us he would have been around two years old. Their journey started two years earlier when they saw the star. It wasn't really the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It was the long walk. Dad, 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 I know you're going to give your kids great gifts this, this Christmas. But the greatest thing you can give them is the long walk. Mom, I know you're going to spoil your kids. I'm so grateful. But, but the greatest gift you can give them is just the long walk. Baby, we stay faithful to God. Kids, look how good God has been to us. Oh man, our journey has had ups and downs. Our, our journey has had mountain high and valley low. Our, our, oh man, we've, oh man we've, we've had some backsliding days. We've had some really good days. We've had some revivals. And, and man, we've had some really bad moments that we're not really proud of. But, but we made it by the grace of God. It's actually the long walk. It's actually the long walk that is the legacy. It's actually the long walk that when you wanted to quit and you didn't quit, that's, that's the thing you give your children. This morning, Goldie woke up and she saw the Christmas under uh, the Christmas. She saw the gifts under the tree, <laughs> a little two years old. Presents, presents, yay, presents. It really has nothing to do with the stuffed animals we got her and the little toys we got her. The greatest thing I can give her is the long walk. That I love Jesus. And the greatest thing I can show her is that Jesus is going to be with her for the long haul. It's the long walk that's the gift. That's why the Apostle Paul would say in Galatians chapter 6, don't grow weary on the long walk. Well, that's my interpretation. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't grow weary on day two. Don't grow weary on day four. Don't grow weary on day eight. Can, can you stick it out for the 14-day journey? Yeah. 
because it's the long walk that's going to break the curse. It's the long walk that's going to change your children. It's the long walk that's going to change you. Oh, can you say amen, somebody? Come on, is this? It's the long walk. Sir, the journey was the gift. Hmm. Lastly, number three, I got to end. Jesus changes my direction. Jesus changes my direction. Verse 9 is interesting. The Bible says they went on their way. But in verse 12, they went another way. Have you been going your way long enough to realize you're not getting anywhere? How long are you going to keep going your way? How long are you going to keep fighting over that little molehill that you made a mountain? How long are you going to keep trying to do this? Your, it's not working. With all due respect, maybe it's time to go another way. <laughs> so let me give you a Bible word that if you grew up in church, you've heard this word, but maybe you don't know what it means. It's a, the, it's a big Bible word. It, it's called repent. Now, I don't know what repentance looks like in your, in your mind, but for me, this little Pentecostal kid, uh, repentance was, you come to the altar. And you come get altered at the altar. Thank you, 1990s youth pastor. Come on, somebody. Got to lay it down at the altar, man. And so my teenage years, you know, new Metallica CD, but then <laughs> to the altar, break it, burn it, buy it again. I'm over that. <laughs> so, so I think I was raised on repentance was emotional. It was sporadic. It was, it was condemning. It was shameful. It was confessing something to someone I didn't even know. and yeah. Shouldn't have trusted. <laughs> That's not repentance. That's religion in a nutshell, man. Repentance, Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Now repent. Stop right there. You can repent right now. Like I don't have to stir you up. You can just repent now. Right now. Like you don't have to. Do I got to pray something? Do I got to say something? No, just, just repent. Repent of your sin and turn to God. That's repentance. It's two things at the same time. It's repenting and replacing. It's not just, I'm not going to smoke, I'm not going to smoke, I'm not going to smoke. You're going to have to replace that with God. I'm not going to cuss, I'm not going to cuss, I'm not going to. You got to replace that with God. I'm not going to be angry, I'm not going to be angry. You're going to you're gonna have to turn to God because the turning to God is what sustains the repentance. Can you put that back up one more time, Mel? It's the, it's the, turning to God that sustains the freedom. 
so that your sins can be wiped away. What does that mean, wiped away? It means so that you're done with it. But you won't be done with it till you turn to God. Most repentance is people turning to themselves. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to be that. Me, 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 me. You never turn to God. You turn to you. True repentance is turning to God. Repentance is not about guilt, shame, or emotion. Repentance is a decision to change my direction. I don't know if you use your little maps on your iPhone. And if you don't have an iPhone, I don't know if you have internet, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, it's cheap, but, but we do judge you when we text you and it goes green. We're like, you need to put him on the prayer list. Amen. Sorry, sorry, doc. I got, no, you're kidding. But you know, you got your little maps, right? If you're an iPhone, if you're a Christian, it's Siri. If you don't have an, if you're, <laughs> If it's green, you know, if it, you got another one, it's Mabel or something. I don't know who it is, but, but, <laughs> but I don't know if you've ever used it and you're driving and you miss an exit or you miss, miss a turn. Or if you're a man, you go, I know what she's saying, but it's a she. So I know I'm right. because we're men and so you miss the road you miss the turn and, you, and then and then something amazing happens you see the shift happen on the phone and then it says rerouting and without one tear without one altar without one confession you just get back on track and you follow, not your way, another way. Are you, are you done trying to do this on your own? And are you ready to go another way? It's time to repent. I'm not sure the life you've been living, and I'm not sure the way you've been going, but you can go another way. And I do believe your life can get better, your life can improve, and your life can change. But before there are ever external changes, there must be an internal change. Going your way hasn't worked. Let's try God's way. Oh, and it's freeing. It's freeing to know that no matter what is going on in your life, you know you're not going your way. So there's no shame, guilt, condemnation. There's none of that. There's none of those head games. Because even in the valley of the shadow of death, you fear no evil. Because His rod and His staff, they comfort you. Surely goodness and mercy are following you all the days of your life. And you shall dwell in the house of the Lord. Because <laughs> I'm not going my way, I'm going another way. Let's look at this in Ezekiel as I end. Ezekiel 46, 9. But when the people came in through the north gateway to worship the Lord, they must leave by the south way. Those who enter by the south gateway must leave by the north gateway. They must never leave by the same gateway they came in. 
but must always use the opposite gateway. God's going, when you come to me, you're going to leave different. <laughs> when, you, when you have an encounter with me, you went in one direction, you're going to leave another direction. And it's not only the call of God to do it, but it's the grace of God that empowers us. And it's the mercy of God that would allow us that we don't have to keep struggling in our stuff forever. But there is another way. And I know I've been going south, but I can go north. I know I've been going north, but I can go south. I know I've been east, but I can go west. I, can, I know I can make a change. And, I, and I've been going my way, but now it's time to go another way. That is salvation right there. So maybe you go, I've never had that. Well, this is your moment. You know, Jabin, maybe I've, I've prayed a prayer before. I, I want to be a better person, but I've never, I've never had a change of direction. This is your moment. It's, it's time to give him deciding power. Watch what he'll do in your life.